Thank you for listening to the Praise Family of Churches podcast. We have physical buildings throughout Oregon in Monmouth, McMinnville, Eugene, Mitchell, and Willamina, but our community extends around the world. If you would like more information about any of our churches, please visit www.praiseonline.net. We're studying this story of Jonah and how uh, he is impacted by the world around him and how his relationship with God was, a, let's just say it was growing. He was learning who God was because he did not think God should love those Ninevites because they were just evil people, violent, it says, and they were dark and they were all uh, very, very bad culture, very full of pain and misery. But God sent Jonah to express their chance to live right. And he did. And now we see in chapter 4, Jonah is on the hillside looking over Nineveh, watching this revival take place of all the people coming back to God, changing their ways. And uh, it bugged him. And let's just read Jonah chapter 4, verse 1 through 4. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still home? That's why I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you were gracious, gracious, Tarshish, gracious, amen, and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, this is his prayer, take away my life, for it's better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, with a question. Is it right for you to be angry? I don't know if the Lord's ever replied to you. Sometimes God has replied to me different things in my own attitude. Sometimes I've had bad attitudes or issues in my own life, and I get just a little loving nudge from God. And this is a a loving nudge to Jonah from God. Is it right for you to be angry? Well, I think the problem is Jonah didn't know God's heart. He was learning it, but he hadn't figured it out yet. He just thought God should destroy Nineveh. He just thought he should wipe them off the face of the planet because they were a lost cause. There is no such thing as a lost cause with God. And this is Easter, and I'm so happy to celebrate Easter with you, even though we're on the internet. It's not the same as being all together, but at least we get to celebrate and and and, and just think and, and meditate on the life that God gives us because of Easter. I want to share with you a couple of those things and how how God wants us to get him and understand him. See, Jonah just wasn't getting God. He He wasn't getting God's heart. He was thinking God was this super judge man in the sky that was ready to destroy cities when God's heart was to save. Easter is all about that. And we're starting to learn that here in this story. Okay, Uh, first of all, the thing that we need to understand is that God's love brings life. This is spring, it's Easter, it's the time we celebrate the life of God. Jesus being raised from the dead on the third day, on this Sunday morning, he came out of the grave and he was alive and he conquered death. God's love is all about life. Life is is what God is all about. And I wanted to share with you a little bit about that because in John chapter 3, verse 16, it talks about God's love and his life for the whole world. So his love is 
for everyone, including like the Ninevites or people in our culture today that, you know, we might not think they're a lost cause, but we think that they're just probably not really going to ever follow God. I want you to just listen to this story today. And as we go through it, maybe there's some things in us that need to adjust and align with God's heart. See, in John chapter 3, Nicodemus came to Jesus in the Gospel of John, and he was seeing Jesus doing all these miracles, and people were being healed and restored, and evil spirits were being cast out of people, and he was just changing the whole lives of people and bringing life to people. And so Nicodemus, he was a Pharisee, and a Pharisee was a teacher of the law. He believed in God. He even believed in resurrection, but it was just at the end of everything. But he came to Jesus alone and said, hey, how is it, what can I do? Uh, how can I be saved? How can I have this life? And Jesus said, well, Nicodemus, you're going to have to start over. You're going to have to go back to the basics. He, he used the term to be born again, which means you get to have a fresh start. This is the same principle in God's heart that he was telling Jonah in Nineveh, hey, these people aren't a lost cause. It's the same heart of God in, that he has for you, that it's not a lost cause, that he, he can, we can all be born again, we can all start new and start fresh. God's love brings life. Later on in that chapter, John 3, 16, you know the verse, everybody knows it, it's the one they hold up at football games, where it says, for God so loved the world, including the Ninevites, including the people that aren't like us, including those who might give us a hard time. He loves the whole world that he gave his only son. Maybe there's somebody or some category of person or some political figure, I don't know. Maybe some family member, maybe somebody that give, bugs you or somebody who's hard for you to love. There are those people, they're irregular people or they're hard, hard to deal with people. And I wanna just have you take a minute and think about that person or that group of people or whatever, whatever category it is. As you think about them for a minute, I would like you to do something. Would you just realize that God's love is for them, that he loves them? You might have a hard time with them, but God loves them. This is a challenge. But it's an important thing that we come to grasp with because this is why Jesus came to this earth, to love the whole world. Um, so God's love is probably different than my love. It's more complete. So how do, how do we love? Well, God loves through us. Um, I want to just share with you a couple of things about this because this has got to change. I hope this Easter day, God can adjust us to really love the world like he loves the world. So God's love brings life. And you know what else? His forgiveness brings life. God is all about forgiveness. John told, told the Lord when Nineveh repented and changed, he was watching the, the Nineveh revival from the hillside. He, he, he said to God, and I think it was sarcastic, but he said, I knew that you were gracious and a compassionate God slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. In other words, Jonah said, I knew you were going to forgive him. 
So he was learning God's heart, this forgiveness. I want you to understand what forgiveness is for a little bit. It's, it's the release of us from judgment. Oh my goodness, we, we get out of it. We get off the hook. If you have a forgiveness for someone and you actually forgive them, you release them from your judgment. You let them go. It's, it's an interesting thing. Uh, Lila went water skiing when we were first married and we were young and uh, she was getting the courage to go and get up. And so the boat, she was out there with her little head bobbing in the water and hanging onto the rope. And then all of a sudden she gives the thumbs up and boom, we take off and she's such a light little thing. She just boom, bounced right up on the water on two skis and she just amazed at herself for getting up with the first try. And she's like freaked out that she was up. She goes, ah, and sits back down. Now, here's the problem. She didn't let go of the rope. She held on to it and at such an angle that it just took her deeper and deeper in the water. Just the boat just she goes down deep in the water. And then finally, she couldn't hang on to him more and let go. And she eventually came to the surface <laughs> and her skis came right over the top and plopped on the top of her head. And, I, and we ran around the boat and I was yelling out of the boat. I said, why did you like, why did you sit back down? She says, I was afraid you were going to leave me out here. And I was like, no, we're not going to do that. Letting go of the rope is a good picture of what forgiveness is. If we try to hang on, it gets really painful. It takes you to places you don't want to go. But if you release and forgive that awkward person, that person that's difficult, that political figure that drives you crazy, that person on the television news that's driving you nuts, I don't know who it is, but if you release them and realize as you release them, I'm gonna forgive you from my judgment, but I'm also gonna trust that God loves you and that God wants to redeem you. This is where we're at when we celebrate Easter. It's the resurrection of Christ. It's that same Spirit of God that raised Christ from the dead, it says in Romans, it dwells in us and it quickens our mortal bodies. It makes us Christian and followers of Jesus. So God's love brings life. God's forgiveness brings life. And here's, the, here's kind of the, the core of the story. We bring life. Once we know God, he's in us, and we bring it. That's so funny with churches being empty, <laughs> the building's empty. We are really, we really have an awkward time speaking here when there's nobody here. You know why that is? Because it's just a building, and it's empty. When you come and gather and sit in the, in the service and we have a, a collection of people, we call it the congregation, you each bring a little bit of the presence of God with you. That same spirit of Christ that raised him from the dead, it's in you and you come together and you join together. And that's why it's so difficult for us to try and celebrate Easter all apart because it's when we gather together, that same spirit comes in it. And there's a manifest presence of God dwelling on us. We're going to have that day again. This is an unusual Easter, I understand. And it's, it's really tough on some, uh, some of the folks that are alone and truly alone. Uh, they, they're, they're locked in their houses and they can't get out or they shouldn't. It's too dangerous. 
or they're just maybe there's some anxiety over the jobs you have. I know this is difficult times. We, it's like we've had this huge catastrophe, but we can't explain it to anybody. We can't feel it yet. We just know that we don't know how bad it's going to hurt. This is a difficult time. My friend Randy in Texas, he was a pastor with me back in Montana, and he, is, he was married, uh, and his first wife had a, a brain uh, it was like mad cow disease and she passed away and he took care of her and, and just was really a great husband to her and, and blessed her with all kinds of mercy and love. And then she passed away. I went up to this funeral in, in Seattle and he was just so, so heartbroken. But then he had a new wife come into his life and she was wonderful. Her name's Ruth and she was just amazing. And and they moved to Texas and he got a dream job as being the uh, golf course manager of, of a golf course in Corpus Christi, Texas. And he got diagnosed with ALS. He just passed away April 6th. We got news. But all the time, he was telling people that even if this coronavirus takes you out, you're still going to be with Jesus. He was, he was expressing that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead was dwelling in him and it was coming across. It was expanding across the, the internet. People were learning who Jesus is. Many people who didn't know Christ were friends of his and he was able to explain that. See, you're going to best be able to explain who Christ is if in the difficult times. It's in those places of of press, pressing and, and discomfort. You see, God wants to use you in your imperfections. This is how it was on the Easter morning. Jesus rose from the dead. I, I want to read out of Matthew 28, the account of the first day. After the Sabbath at dawn, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. And the guards were so afraid of him that they shook and then became like dead men. They passed, passed out. And the angel said to the women, don't be afraid, for I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay and they go and then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee and there you will see him. Now I have told you. <laughs> Isn't it interesting that, that God wanted those, those wonderful women to know first that Jesus had risen. Mary Magdalene, also known as the sinner woman of the bunch. She came from a real bad, rough background. She had a lot of tough issues. But you know what? She was the best at expressing who God is because she had come from so much. I just want you to know, and Jonah should have known this, and I hope and pray that maybe later in life he learned it, that God is a God of grace and compassion, and that's who he is. And once you know it, you can reveal it to somebody else. See, God expressed his love and his grace to Mary Magdalene, and she was able to express it to many others. If you came to me to borrow 20 bucks, 
please don't. But if you came to me, <laughs> if you came to me to borrow 20 bucks and I didn't have it, I would have to tell you, I'm sorry, I don't have 20 bucks. I don't. I usually carry plastic, but I don't have $20. See, there's the principle. If I don't have it, I can't give it. This was Jonah's problem. He didn't understand the grace and compassion of God, so he couldn't really give it to the Ninevites or anybody else. He didn't feel like it was toward him, so he didn't feel like he could release it. Once you understand the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness that God has for you, you will be able to release it to others. That's why we bring it to the world once we know. I want to pray with you for a minute because I, I just know that this is going to be a very memorable and momentous Easter. It's going to be the one where we're going to look back and say, remember that Easter when we couldn't come together? We'll never take it for granted again. I can't wait till we join each other and have worship and church together. It's going to be such a great time. But right now, God wants to, wants to teach us some things about Him. Let's learn that God's love brings life. God's love brings forgiveness. And then we bring it to the world. Let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, thank you for the chance to change our lives. And maybe there's somebody listening to me that doesn't really know your love. Would you just let them know right now by your Holy Spirit that you love them, that you forgive them of anything they've done wrong. You release them from your judgment because of, the, of Jesus who came and died on the cross and rose again on the third day. Thank you for Easter. Help us reveal it to this world. In your name we pray, amen. Well, church, Easter is one of those stories where the beginning actually happens after the end. When we think about the cross, that was, that was the end of Jesus' life in one sense. But then three days later, what we're celebrating today is the resurrection of Jesus, the fact that he's alive. The beginning happened after the end. And we have the opportunity this week to start something new in each of our lives as well. I want us to circle back just for a moment to Jonah and his statement, sarcastic as it was, about who Jesus was, because his statement actually is really good theology. He said in verse 2 of chapter 4, I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. Now this week, I want to encourage you to think through it a few questions with me. If you and I truly believed that Jesus, our God, is a merciful God, how would I live differently? If I truly believed that Jesus is compassionate towards me and to the world, how would I live differently? If I truly believe that Jesus is slow to anger, our God wants to give us grace, how would I live differently? If I truly believed that our God is filled with unfailing love towards me, towards my neighbors, towards my family, towards my friends, how would I live differently this week? So would you pray with me as we, as we wrap up? And we're going to have a little special treat at the end, but I want us to pray together wherever you're at. Would you just join with me? 
Father God, we thank you for this day of celebration, the fact that Jesus is alive. God, we, we know that he's alive today just as much as he was in those early days. And God, would you help us to understand you at that deeper level? Would you help us to live out our belief in you? Strengthen us that we would, we would really know deep down who you are and be able to, to live that out this week. And we just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, as the service wraps up today, I want to encourage you to stick around just for a couple more minutes. We have kind of a throwback clip from two Easter's ago, 2018. Our very own Alyssa Miller now, uh, Kellum then, gave us uh, a presentation, words that I, I know that will be encouraging to you. So would you stick around for this throwback clip and have a great Easter. Start uh, is that the linchpin verse for the gospel is found in Deuteronomy 21:23, and it states in Judaic law that any man hung on a tree is under the curse of God. So you see, there really was no room, not in the traditions, not in the laws, not in the minds of the Jews, not for a crucified Messiah. And the Greeks, they could not conceive a God who would allow his son to die at the hands of his enemies. That was, that was folly akin to madness. They just couldn't believe. They couldn't believe a God so scandalous, employing a plan so disastrous, compelled by a love so outlandish. It was absurd. And to be expected to believe that that man on the tree was also king of the earth, the heavens, the universe. It was, it was all just too much. I mean, come on, they had him tacked to their pitiful little cross. Some God, they said. No, church, Jesus was not the miraculous Messiah nor the reasonable philosoph they wanted. And so they cursed him and they hung him themselves. Never once asking God the Father if maybe Jesus, just maybe Jesus could be the answer to the prayers that they had prayed for a thousand years. Forgetting that without the shedding of blood, there really could be no forgiveness of sin anyway. This this man, this Jesus, is the God we celebrate today. Not the God of our own creation or heaven help us, our own expectation, but of a God whose ways are so much higher than our ways. Amen? You know, it's crazy because the Jesus that, that we tend to speak of so, I would say casually, in 21st century America was an impossibility to the ancient world. Jesus was an impossible man. Jesus claimed an impossible plan, and that is, hear me, church, precisely why he's God, and that is precisely why it worked, because our Jesus, your Jesus, my Jesus, did not just come to die. It's true, he was crucified like a convict shredded until the flesh of his shoulders hung in folds against his hips, back exposed. 
as a wooden cross tore through his tissues to grate against his bones. He knew untold anguish, sorrow, unlike any other, the son of our God dying the death of a monster because he loved us. He loved you and I, his executioners, but our Jesus did not just come to die. It's true a sword was thrust through his side to lance a broken heart. He was peeled off the cross and he was laying in the dark of some other man's tomb. But our Jesus did not just come to die and I am begging you friends this morning in the worthy spotlight of the cross don't you lose sight of that empty grave i don't know about you but i do not serve a god resting in the dust of this place i serve a jesus enthroned in the highest place choirs of angels singing his greatness his praises his fame because our jesus he did not just come to die he came to be raised to life and now he sits at the right hand of God the Father, arguing in your favor, holding my pardon with the compassion of a Savior. He is waiting for you. He is longing for you. He is pleading for you. He is interceding for you to turn your life over today. We don't just thank him for the cross, but we celebrate his triumph over death all over this place, the splendor and the majesty and the glory of God incarnate, man in skin, high priest, prince of peace, terror of the curtain, not just any humiliated dead man, but the very bread of the presence, the blood of the lamb, our prophecy fulfillment, Emmanuel God with us. He is Christ, the king of heaven. He's the breath of life in Adam. He's the God of Abraham. He's the son of David and church this morning, the great, the eternal, the historical I am. He came for you. He came for you.